You know how the hills, sometimes they're straight up and down and sometimes they lie down and sometimes they're brown and sometimes they're green and sometimes they're pink. I love that. And I love Swallow's Nest and I love the people. I love the people who come in the library and are, they're just kind and appreciative and um, good people. I don't know. It's just a nice pace of life and it's good people. And I love the river. This week, we sat down with Jennifer Ashby, the director of the Asotan County Library. Jennifer filled us in on all of the new updates at the library to be completed in the near future, as well as how the staff is weathering the storm of COVID-19. We also hear about many of the great events and services that are available for free to the public through the library. So stay tuned to learn about how the library is not only a space for books and learning, but also for community, equal access, creativity, employment, and so much more. Jennifer Ashby. Thanks for coming to Old Spiral Podcast. Uh, you mentioned you were the director of the Asotan County Library, and I'm really excited to talk about the library today. The Asotan County Library actually has a special place in my heart. Uh, growing up here, I went there all the time, and uh, there's some changes going on, and I'm just excited to talk to you. So hello, good afternoon. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, so we have heard that the library is currently under reconstruction or, or getting some updates. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit about what those updates look like? Yes, um, the, when we originally built this building in 1992, it was designed to be um, expanded later with a mezzanine. And so we've been planning for this project, you know, fundraising and stuff since about 2014. And in 2018, we were able to put in the mezzanine and then the, we got a grant from the Department of Commerce to do phase two. So thank you to the people of, of the state of Washington for that, because um, I would have spent the rest of my life fundraising. <laughs> <laughs> Our, the, the community here was so generous, um, but we had pretty much uh, gotten what we were going to get. So it was really nice to have the state come through for us. So we started um, <clears throat> construction in the beginning of February or this on the second phase, which involves mainly some ADA upgrades, um, new furnishings, some improvements to HVAC and lighting so that it will run a lot more efficiently. And um, just it was just time for a facelift. And that that this part was mainly that kind of thing. The the phase one was a lot more structural. <clears throat> so gotcha. um, general contractor is pretty much done. We've got a couple of punch list things left. And um then our furnishings won't be arriving until mid-July because um, furniture manufacturers haven't been working during the COVID crisis. So, um, you know, so we'll have to wait. But honestly, we're right now, we are, um, we're not open to the public. We're waiting to hear from the governor whether we can maybe start curbside service in the next week or two. Um, and then after that, 
when we open up, we'll probably have people just be able to come in, get their books and go. So not having furniture isn't a big problem during that. By the time I think that we're back to normal service where everyone's allowed to come in the library, sit down, relax and enjoy the atmosphere, the furnishings will be here and we'll be ready to go. Very good. Yeah. Well, how long have you been director of the Asotan County Library? It's February 1st, 2001. All right. And how did you get into that? Have you been in, uh, I don't know, I think it's actually called Library Sciences, isn't it? It is, yeah. Well, my story begins back in high school when I decided to be an aide at the, the high school library, and I did that for a year. And then when I went to college, I went to Whitman College, and um, had, I was a work-study student, so I um, worked at the library there in circulation and in technical services. I had a special internship at one point there. And then when I got out of college, I started working at LCSC um, through in a whole bunch of different positions, but I was there for 18 years. And um, in 1992 through 94, I went to graduate school to get my library science degree and um, became the instruction librarian at at LC for a couple of years. And then this job opened up, so I moved over here. Because really, you know, I didn't realize that how dynamic and wonderful public libraries were until I moved over from the academic ones which are great too, but they have a different purpose. And I, I just love being in a public library and being able to you know, really serve people. Yeah, I suppose there would be quite a difference between an academic and a public library. Mm-hmm. There is. Um, when you're with collections in an academic library, you're kind of keeping things forever. Not forever, you weed sometimes, but it's a, a lot more about keeping things long-term and stuff. We keep things as long as people are using them and then those move out the door and we bring in new things and we try to have services, you know, that that appeal to everyone in our in our population, all ages. Um, we started in 2015 a career center because we saw a need for that, and um, right now that's I'm so grateful to have that in place. I've written some grants in hopes of of getting to beef that up a little bit because there's going to be such a need over the next several months. Hopefully, it's not into years, and but anyway, that's that's some um, something we're very happy to have in place and we think will be really important for people. Yeah, I heard uh, somewhere around 20% of the U.S. population has filed for unemployment in the last few months. I know, it's devastating. It really is. So what are some of the things that you're uh, able to offer at your career center? Well, we've got... um, We've got a career coach who's there right now. She's there 12 hours a week. If we get the grant I've asked for, we'll have more hours. Um, But so she'll meet one-on-one with people and do interest inventories, help them figure out what their skills are, because most people have a lot of skills, but they might not know how to articulate them. They might not realize what, you know, well, say say you've spent most of your time as a housemaker or homemaker, but now you want to go into the Uh, you know, the business world, the skills of organizing a household, handling the money, dealing with people, your children, you know, (laughs) is uh, (laughs) there's so many skills there. And that's just one example. But, you know, helping people to understand what what their strengths are and be able to articulate that. And then she helps them to find and she uses interest inventories to help them figure out what it is that they might enjoy doing. And then we have a lot several databases with um, trainings and things that people can do. We are able, we're a certiport center, so we can help people certify for um, 
um, like for Microsoft applications and stuff. So if you go to a job and say, you know, well, I'm sort of I'm a certified office <clears throat> Microsoft Office um, person, and that that tells them you really know the the applications. I had done Microsoft Word for probably at least 15 years, knew I was totally proficient. And the first time I took the certification test, I found out how much I didn't know about it. They're really, there's so much depth to those programs. And yeah, there's so a lot of tips and tricks. Yeah. When you're, when you're certified, your employer knows that you really know it inside and out. And uh, so and we have, uh, we have classes that we offer a few times a year in the various Microsoft applications. Um, and we have a teacher who, when she teaches at school, but she also um, knows all these programs inside and out. So she, we contract with her to come in and do some of those and help people prepare for certification. So uh, we have a laptop lab so people can come in and do all the things they need to do. She helps with resume development, um, interview, you know, practice and all that stuff. Wow. So, I hope you get that um, grant because it sounds like she does a lot already. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, there's two people. There's the teacher who comes in and does the one, and then uh, then Bev Rhodes is the one who um, is the career coach. And she, <laughs> we got so lucky. She used to be at LCSC, and she, um, you know, has the a doctorate in vocational education and really knows how to help people um, in the area of jobs and careers. So it's a good good program for everyone. Yeah, that sounds like a great program and a huge benefit to to those in Clarkston there. Um, you mentioned grant writing a couple times so far. Is that one of your main duties or is that just something you sort of take on when you see an opportunity might be available or how does that how does that play into your role? Well, it's kind of yes to both because a lot of opportunities come up, you know, on a regular basis. I've written probably five grants since we've been closed down. Mm-hmm. Um but usually we have two or three going. Um, some of them are, most of our grants are like $7,500, something like that. So they're small things that allow us to do projects that we might not otherwise be able to do. This one is much big. The one I was just talking about would be much bigger. And, um, you know, because we really want to beef things up. And But yeah, I'm always looking out for grants. It's, you know, we, we get, we were funded by public um, property taxes and, um, you know, we're we're fine with that, but there's some of the extra things that we'd like to do, we wouldn't be able to do if we didn't go out and find grant money to to do it. So sorry about the phone. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> I know we hear a little bit of crashing. It's not going to be distracting at all. It's fine. And you guys okay. are under remodel. It's totally understandable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like I mentioned at the beginning, um, the Soton County Library has, it's pretty special to me. Uh, my grandfather used to own, um, it was Wizard Auto Electric when it was there near 6th Street. And so mm-hmm. as a kid, like I Like on 6th and Chestnut? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That building is awesome. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I used to walk down when when my mom would take me. She, I'd, I'd walk around in the shop for a while until I got yelled at, and then uh, <laughs> for you know snooping through everything, all the mechanics and everybody. And so I'd walk down to the library since I was a little kid and read for a while and check out books. So it's great to see that it's expanding. I know that you guys do a lot for the community. And that's just so neat because it's a place I've been going for a long time and and it's nice to see upgrades. It's always nice to see all new construction and and new things going into it. Well, you know, it's really fun for us when little kids start coming in and we got to get to watch them grow all the way up and, 
you know, start bringing their own kids and, and, you know, it, it really is a, you know, it's a mutually beneficial thing between us and the community. We, I feel so blessed to be in Clarkston. Um, the people of Asotan County are just so supportive and, you know, it could be very different, <laughs> but it's not. So, yeah. That's good to hear. Yeah, and you mentioned um, sort of your transition from academia into the public sphere. Could you talk about some of those things that you appreciate more or less about um, working in public libraries rather than in academic libraries? Well, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it, in academic libraries. You know, you're doing. Um, we check out a lot fewer books in an academic library, and what you're doing is you're working one on one with students to help them with their assignments and things you know research and it's a it's a and you get you know collection development was always fun where I get to um, go order books in particular subject areas and things it was always nice to be part of a faculty there was collegiality there but in a public library there's so much going on all the time and I didn't realize that I had a, a colleague who had been in a public library and was then at the academic library she said you have no idea how busy you're gonna be and I said really <laughs> she said yeah and it's just, you know, it's, there's just so much going on. And if you, if you say yes, when opportunities come up, you get to get, do so many exciting things. Um, right now we're working on an open data project. We've got a $50,000 grant to <clears throat> um, get local, local data and make it available in an open format so that people can um, use it. Like say, if we got, um, Oh, come up with some examples, Jennifer. Like, say, if you're taking socioeconomic things versus crime or something, you could take two different data sets and put them together and basically be able to find, maybe find meaning, maybe not. Sometimes data sets, it's just like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. But sometimes it does. And it's basically a way for us to help um, make government more transparent because our putting data sets out there so the public can see it. It helps the the government entities because they've put their data out there. So if somebody has a, a public records request, you can just say, here, go to this site. We don't, you don't have to dig and dig for hours. And um, it's just, I don't know, it's been very satisfying, but we've gotten to um, be involved with um, people from all around the country in this grant that's been really nice. We, we were supposed to, for the first time, uh, get to presented a national conference and that's now been canceled because of the virus. But oh no! I, I presented at conferences regionally and statewide many times, but haven't done a national one. So I was kind of excited about that. So have they just, well. have they just postponed <laughs> it or, or is it canceled? This one they finally canceled. They talked for a couple months about postponing and finally decided that it wasn't, um, wasn't going to fly right now. We might be able to do it next year or something when things calm down, but. Yeah, that's really interesting that you're able to, you know, uh, acquire all of those data sets from, I'm, I'm guessing, the different public agencies that they, that we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've worked with, so far we have things from um, Clarkson Fire Department. We're working with the police department. I, I want to get a lot of stuff from the health department, but I'm not going to bother them right now. They're busy. Yeah, um, they are. <laughs> I've got some, we're getting some data sets on, um, um uh, from the public works on building permits and things. Um, we're going to probably get some things from the assessor. Um, we've got a, several library data sets. We thought we'd start with our own because it's not really reasonable to ask everybody to put their stuff out there if you're not going to put your own out there. But 
so there's a lot of different partners we have, and we're just kind of getting going on pulling in more data sets. But yeah, very cool. It's kind of fun. Awesome. Um, and you were, you were mentioning, of course, earlier about um, sort of the career development aspect of the off- or that the library offers. Is there other um, events or programs that you offer similar to that, or could you just talk about maybe some of your favorite events that you facilitate there at the library? Yeah, we have lots of events. Um, so I guess I'll start with the adult stuff. Um, our kind of our flagship ones. We've um, we've been part of Everybody Reads for since it was founded in two thousand one, and that's one where we bring in it. We select a book and author, have people throughout the community and actually the region. We've got Pullman and Moscow and Whitman County and Prairie River Library District, and then all the ones down here. We select a book. Each library that's involved gets ten copies of the book, and the public reads it. And then we um, bring the author in and have several. Um, events where they, you know, talk with people, people get to meet them, get book, books signed and ask questions. And so that's a good one. Um, we have the Wine and Wisdom series, which is, um, we get scholars from the Humanities Washington Speakers Bureau. And we select, usually we've varied between three and six. This this year we were going to do three. Um, and basically we get those scholars in and we do it at Basalt Cellars. So thus, wine and wisdom. But um, so people get some wine, sit down and listen to these wonderful speakers. I think what we're going to do this year, I haven't worked out all the details because we had picked our speakers. They'd all agreed to come and then can't have that many people in a room. But I think we're going to try to get a discount on the wine. You know, so if somebody wants to go buy wine and to get a discount and then they go home, get on Zoom and we have the speakers anyway. So um and we have a film series that we do um, several times a year, well, two or three times a year. We'll have four weeks in a row where we show a, a, um, an award-winning film or foreign film out of a series that we have. Um, we have a, a Color Me Happy, which is where people come and sit around and color together. Um, we have a book group for adults at night called Book Night, and they select their own you know, the group selects a book and they read it and then they talk about it. And then we've got one called True Stories, which happens during the day and it's all nonfiction. Um, that's what I can think of right now with the adult stuff. We have, um, we also we have a creation space in the new mezzanine where there's art supplies and a sewing machine and a cricket cutter thing so that people can come and do creative things that way. We have two 3D printers, but they haven't, we had to have them sent to our homes because nobody was here to receive things. So we don't have them in place yet, but they will be when we reopen. For teenagers, we just uh, put in a STEM lab. So the table for it is still being built, but we've got Lego Mindstorms, Edison Bots, Spheros, some video publishing materials, um, virtual reality. So some kind of STEM type things for them to deal with. Um, for the kids, we have uh, play and learn twice a week, once at the Heights branch, once down here. And that's an hour of play with educational toys that the kids don't know are educational toys. They're just fun, but they're learning. And then at the end of that, there's a story, you know, where the, the librarian reads a story to them. And <clears throat> we have, um, uh, she has, I think, a book buzz thing where, no, it's, I don't remember the name right now, but it's a sciencey thing where they come and the, the kids more like 
third, fourth, fifth grade come and kind of do experimental things and make messes and um, and have a good time. Um, we have summer reading for all ages. So the the, early, the youngest person we've ever had sign up for summer reading was 12 hours old. And we don't know how old the oldest person is because, you know, we don't keep track of ages unless you're 12 hours old. But um, <laughs> that was an employee's kid and we thought that was kind of fun to do. Um, but yeah, so this year that's going to be a little different because you can't come in and get prizes and things. So Mary, our youth services librarian, is working on ways to do things online and probably have packets available for people to come pick up craft things and stuff. So we're all learning new ways of of working and and communicating and trying to, you know, do the new normal. Mary's been working really hard on making sure that the web page is um, has really good resources available for people. We always try to have good resources available, but now we have, we've beefed up the financial stuff because people are in financial hard times right now. Um, we've got some things where there's Screen Actors Guild story stuff where actors read books and stuff. She's developing a thing where we'll have staff um, uh, doing readings online st and stuff too. So. Well, your predecessor was not lying when she said you would be very busy. <laughs> that <it> sounds like... <laughs> but yeah. that is so incredible that you put on that, that much stuff uh, for the public to come and do for, I'm sure, free or, or at least... Yes, everything's free. That's just yeah, that's, amazing. That's one of our... One of the most basic tenets of librarianship is, or at li public libraries, is that it's free and equal access for everyone. So we, we don't charge with for things. Um, yeah, that's very important. I should tell you, February 1st is when we stopped having fines. Um, so did most of the libraries in Valnet. But um, so when we started realizing, then this has happened kind of across the nation, but, and, and you know, I, I guess I always just thought fines were part of the deal. I never gave it much thought, but when you start realizing that the people who most need the access because they can't buy books themselves or, other materials themselves are kept from using the library if they have a fine on a book, you know, and particularly kids, you know, if your if your parent is not allowed to, I mean, we had one, one kid come in and the youth services librarian was going to give them a book just as a thank you for volunteering. And the kid said, I can't get books from the library. My mom won't let me. And it was just like, talk about breaking your heart. So um, that's some of the stuff that got conversations going and we did away with it. It's a very small percentage of our income and we feel like it makes, um, there's so much more value in the goodwill from it. And also a lot of books come back that wouldn't have come back otherwise when you stop finding. Very cool. So uh, how many, how many people do you have on staff there typically um, to facilitate all of these events and, and then, <laughs> just your normal operations otherwise? We have seven full-time people and we have the custodial staff is two people. And then um, I think let me see it. there's about 11 part-timers who work the desk and help with programs and stuff. Okay. Yeah, so I think our FTE is like 9.5. And is there volunteer opportunities for the general oh, public yeah. to come work? Could yeah, you... we we have a lot of all. We have about sixty five volunteers, oh, particularly wow. when we were moved. Like when we moved last time, we had so much help from volunteers. We had to get the whole nonfiction collection upstairs, 
we had an elevator, but it hadn't been inspected and wasn't going to be expected for inspected for weeks. So we did a uh, like a bucket brigade kind of thing up the stairs. It was a lot of fun. Right now, we can't have uh, volunteers in the building because of the virus. So it's not not as it's not as fun, really. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But it's okay. It's not all about having fun. Well, did you did you want to vent or get anything off your chest about how COVID nineteen has been affecting uh, you guys at the library? I mean, you mentioned the no volunteers, and and then uh, you said you might be transitioning to picking up books. Is that correct? Well, curbside where we we where people come and pick up books curbside. So we would take. The plan is to they they uh, put a hold on the books. We pull them. We check them out. We put them in a bag with a code on it. Everybody's got a code, you know, it's a variation of your name. Put that on the bag, stick it outside on a table that's under the eaves. Then they get out of their car and come get it kind of thing. So we're not actually interacting, but they're able to get the things. That's what we're hoping to transition to soon. And then, and I'm hoping that we'll be able also, we have some laptops that we could let people use out in their cars. Um, Cause we've got out, we've got, um, Wi-Fi in the parking lot here, and then we we just got a it's called a drive-in Wi-Fi hotspot from the state library that's very powerful up at our Heights branch. There's a big lot up there that has the recycling bins on Appleside that belongs to the library, and it um, the, the hotspot will go out about a thousand feet into that parking lot, so people can come and distance themselves by staying in their cars, but get get access to that. Venting, huh? Um, I feel really, really lucky because we've been able to keep everyone employed. They are, um, people have been at home, but they've been doing a lot of trainings and things that I think are really going to benefit the public when they get back, getting very proficient with our databases and um, just learning all kinds of things. My biggest scare was, what if we just have to lay everybody off? I mean, I just, I couldn't bear that when I figured out what we could do. Um, that, uh, that helped a lot, but, um, you know, it's inconvenient. I'm more upset because I was going to go to Russia in June, you know. Oh, was that where the <laughs> national conference was? No, 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 no. It was just, a, a, I'm involved in Rotary and it was a bunch of people from Rotary were going to go. And, oh, that would have been a great trip. It would have been really great. But anyway, it's, um, you know, I mean, it's really been inconvenient for everyone, but I think generally, at least until the last week or two uh even nationally we've everybody's just really cooperated and hunkered down and done what they could to support each other and um i've I felt pretty good about that i guess i feel like i feel pretty lucky to not be somewhere where the um where the virus is raging you know right yeah i mean i feel yeah. i feel lucky that my whole life hasn't been like this right you know a lot of people have have much harder situations to deal with and this is a total anomaly to most of us. So, um, well, that's good to hear that you haven't had to lay anybody off. That's uh, yeah. that's best case scenario, I guess. Um, have you been able to get any uh, grants to help with with paying people through this time, or or has that just been on? We haven't for for pay, but like we we got like I said, we got we got some help getting that hotspot. I have some. Um, we check out hotspots to people. And we've got about 20 of those right now, but I have probably 20 more coming from a uh, uh, cooperative agreement that the state library made. Um, I've got, uh, there's another librarian that's getting PPE, wrote, wrote a grant for PPE 
for all the Eastern Washington libraries. So that'll save us a bunch of money and actually probably give us access to this stuff. You know, it's like, even if you have the money to buy PPE stuff, doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get it. So, so that's the kind of thing that's, um, that's been going on it, with the, the open data grant that we're doing. It's a, we're part of a cohort of librarians from around the country. And we've been talking a lot about how it's basically a digital inclusion group. And because there are so many people in this country who still don't have access to um, technology, you know, they don't have a laptop or any kind of computer at home, or even if they do, they can't pay for um, uh, internet access and stuff. So that's been a, an issue and a concern for us for a long time, but it's just become so much more obvious now what the digital divide is, you know, the kids who can go home and do their homework, do all the online education, the kids who can't. And um, it's, so that's, we're trying to, trying to figure out ways to address that. So I think a lot of the things I've been talking to people and stuff about might lead to grants that have more of a long-term impact than that. But right now we're trying to get, so lap, People can get laptops in the parking lot, and that can't happen till we're allowed to do curbside service. Um, and then helping people get hotspots and stuff so that they have better access. Hey everyone, just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our new Patreon account. That's right, OSP fans, you can now directly help us fund this show and get access to exclusive content. For more information and to learn how you can support the show, head to patreon.com slash old spiral podcast. Now, back to the show. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, public perception is, but it's it always amazes me at how a library is not just a place to go get a book, but it no. encompasses so much more and plays such a vital role role in the community. It, and and that that's just uh, it's kind of incredible because I mean you've already listed off a handful of things I I wasn't even aware of, but I'll probably start <laughs> taking advantage of now. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, that's. There are still people who think that libraries are places that are full of books where you're supposed to be quiet. I, like I said, I started in libraries in the 70s, and I, the whole you have to be quiet all the thing has never been part of my professional experience. But people who, it's just that's the stereotype. <laughs> it's like you know, uh, the the woman in a wonderful life. Oh, she's at the library. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> The, from It's a Wonderful Life, like the worst thing that could happen is she's at the library. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I would figure that the you have to be quiet thing maybe is more uh, applicable to the academic libraries, I yeah. suppose, and less so much to the public libraries. Well, and that makes sense because people need a quiet place to study. And we it's not that we don't want to give people a quiet place to study. We have a couple of rooms where they can go and we don't let the kids swing from the rafters. It's not that, but it's not, it doesn't have to be completely silent all the time. You know? right. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a compromise thing, but yeah, we do understand that people want to have a place that they can come and not be, um, have it not be a zoo, but you know, we can, we can put people in various places and make that work. Sure. 
One thing my mother-in-law took advantage of a lot is uh, I've got a two-year-old daughter, and she would bring her in a couple times a week to uh, to do you have a, a couple hours where people will play and you'll read some books, and, and I know mm-hmm. that that was a lot of fun. My daughter loved it. Uh, they'd come yeah. in. Yeah, at this library? Yeah. It, that would be our play and learn program. The yeah. play and learn. Yeah. yeah. And we, you know, we... Uh, there is some, it's not just put out a bunch of toys. There's a lot of thought behind what kind of toys and what kids can learn. And, and uh, you know, Mary's done a lot of study about child development. And um, so it's a really, really valuable program. And they, you know, we've, um, the Nez Perce Tribe just gave us a grant for uh, an early literacy center. So we've got a bunch of new um, things for that uh, area that I, I can't wait to be able to put out because they're all, I want to play with them. Um, <laughs> just a lot of really cool things. Um, so, and I should have said the the STEM lab was uh, through a grant from the Anovia Foundation. So, yeah, um, it's it's always interesting you know that uh, toys can sort of also have a dual purpose in teaching. Uh, I know I used to uh, I used to volunteer every year for the uh, the rendezvous, the Idaho rendezvous, the fourth uh-huh. grade rendezvous. Um, through the anthropology club at LCSC and we would build these little sort of simulated pits, um, where kids could come dig in kinetic sand and we'd teach them about, you know, best practices for how, how to, how to set up an archeological site and how to dig. And, and they would have a lot of fun digging and they would also get a lot out of it. So I definitely yeah. have, have seen that, like how, how toys can, can also teach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, <clears throat> play is how kids learn to function in the world. So, yeah, if you can give them opportunities to experience things that that they might not be exposed to otherwise, it's a it's a and it's fun to watch. It's really fun to watch them grow. And mm-hmm. the social the social social wow I can't talk socialization too that they get from from meeting and interacting with kids around their age and and that's mm-hmm. super important and a wonderful place to meet new people and and learn. <laughs> You know, one program I haven't told you about, um, and it's one of our favorites, it's um, we have a family Christmas craft workshop. And it started out, I don't know, we've probably been doing it 12 years, something like that. We'd get 30, 40, 50 people. We now, last time, were 291 people here at one time doing crafts in nine different places. I remember and, uh, that. I think I went the year before last. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so fun, and Mary's got it organized enough now that it doesn't feel as crazy as it really is. Um, but kids come in and with their parents and make all these things. We were in a restaurant one time, went in just to get lunch, and the woman said, oh, you guys work at the library. I said, yeah, and she told us that when her kids were little, they had so little money that they didn't have Christmas except for our workshop. And she said it was the most meaningful thing in their family holidays for years, you know, and we're, you know, crying because <laughs> that's, that's what we want to do, right? That's how we want, that's, that's how we want people to be affected by the libraries. Yeah. In your line of work, I'm sure you get quite a few of those moments and that's got to be one of the, one of the perks of the job, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I love it when people come in and say, Hey, I got a job and I wouldn't have gotten it if it weren't for you guys. So that's, yeah. When that's we first so started special. our career center, we had a, we had a person 
um, who was running it, that every time somebody come in and say they got a job, she'd start squealing, you know. <laughs> and so everybody go running in, and we'd find out who got a job. And you know, it was just it was really fun, you know, because you you uh, you see people really struggle, and then when they uh, are able to get a job that they really want, it's very exciting. Well, I know uh, one of your volunteers, uh, Robert McDonald. Oh yeah, he's such him. a nice guy. Yeah, he is. He is. One of my favorite, favorite but he, he's just, they're all around wonderful, but he's six foot six. Oh, he's, five foot the, one. he's a giant of a man and he's the gentlest yeah. person you'd ever meet. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But he's, uh, we have this new desk that we made as part of the construction. We took, we had to take some of these glue lambs down. And so we had uh, Bill Funk's from Funk's, Funk's Custom Cabinets build a desk for us out of those glue lambs. And we got these desks that are adjustable height. So Robert and I can work right by each other, and he's, you know, he's got his desk up here and mine's <laughs> down there, and it all works out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he he was such a joy to work with. What a wonderful person. He really was. Um, he had to shave his beard recently. Did you I know that? I saw that. Yeah, he had this beautiful, <laughs> I don't know, foot-long beard, and, and he, works, uh, he works kind of in healthcare, doesn't he? Yeah, he works at a, a care center. That's yeah. right, and so it traps all that stuff. So he had to get rid of it, and yeah. uh, that was a big transformation. Yeah, sure was. Well, but, it, you know, he, he's the kind of person who would, you know, be okay with that because he cares about the patients. I'm sure they're just in heaven having him. Oh, I'm sure. Perform. Well, if someone wanted to be like Robert and volunteer at the library, how would they go? Uh, uh, how would they go about doing that? Getting in touch with you is that something they can find on Facebook or on the website, or just come in? Um, I'm, there should be a volunteer application on the website, but I can't swear to it. What they could do is send an email to your library at aclib.org. Okay. And that's our general email, and then we would get a, an application out to them. Yeah, we love having people volunteer, too. It's a good thing. Yeah, very good. Um, so back on the subject of, like, accessibility, um, is is there sort of an online database where you can re you can look at different books from home without having the physical format or coming into the library yourself? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We've got two different... Um, two different databases one is the one that we have through valnet and um, valnet is our local um, consortium of libraries that has a shared catalog shared circulation system and a courier that goes around so if i want a book that's in grangeville i can just go on the computer and order it and it'll be here in a couple of days um so we have to, we had to do a joint purchase through them but um because of soton county libraries in washington we can also be part of the Washington State Library Consortium of that. So you can get ebooks and e audiobooks through either of those. Um, and we're also starting, uh, we're in a pilot program with the State Library to do a, a phone app called Simply E. It gives you access to both of those things, plus all the State Library's ebooks and e audiobooks. So, cool. yeah, I think in Valnet we've got like probably around 10,000. Ebooks. I'm not sure of the audiobook number. And then um, in the Washington State one, it's more like 60,000 and 40,000. So. Yeah, my wife uses the audiobook one. I think she yeah. just finished a book last week, actually. <laughs> it's really easy to kind of get addicted to those because if you, you know, when you 
you just have it going in your car. You get through books so quickly. Yeah. Well, okay. So you're an expert. If I do an audio book, can I say that I read it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, if I couldn't, say, if I couldn't say I'd read what I've listened to, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, know, love, so. I do a lot more listening now than I, yeah, and I retain stuff a lot better when I listen to it, which surprised me. Yeah. Because um, I think of myself as a visual learner, but that's not the truth. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Sometimes you get those sticklers when you're like, oh, I read it. I read it. It was an audiobook. And, oh, you didn't read it. <laughs> well, that's, that's official with us because when we do summer reading, um, it, we can, it counts equally, so that's that's been an official decision on our, at least at this library. So. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to have had that answered then. Well, and it's, <laughs> it's it's cool to have that that option as well through the public library because um, it gives people a way to interact with the library rather than getting on Audible or purchasing a book through Apple or whatever the case may be. Well, yeah, and it's another example of the free and equal access, right? I mm-hmm. mean, if you have if you have tons of money, then, I mean, I know people who go to Audible just because they do and when they could get it free from us, but there are some people who just could not do that without the library. So right. I was at a, in a room full of my cousins from all over the country one day and somebody said something about doing something on Audible and I said, well, have you checked your local library and everybody's getting on and going, oh man, I can't believe that, <laughs> you know, so people just don't know. We're like this best best kept secret even though we keep hollering hey we're here (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounds like um for those that that really uh show up and take advantage of the programs obviously you're you're very impactful in their lives and and it it makes a big difference in the community and that's that's really cool thank you thank you we feel pretty good about it i need to tell you one more thing about libraries because it's probably the most important thing about libraries which is that Libraries are absolutely essential in keeping a free and informed democracy. If if people are not, they don't have a place to come to get information that's from all different viewpoints and be given the ability to weigh that information themselves and make good decisions, um, then then I I don't know. It's it's important. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where, where do you see kind of the future of the library headed, um, in the next, I don't know, let's say five to 10 years, other than sort of these updates that you're doing for this library? Yeah. Um, uh, boy, this is interesting. I have been so focused on, um, I see us continuing the one thing I, you know, I really pride myself on for the, uh, the, our whole library is, that we try really hard to keep up on what's going on and be open to opportunities and which has been really paid off because now the state library calls us up and says, Hey, we're doing this new thing. You want to do it? And, you know, so, um, we, for, for one thing, I think we'll for a little bit want to just kind of, um, take a breath. You know, we've been working on this for a long time and kind of, um, you know, relook at what we're doing. We've done, you know, we're, uh, looking at doing some focus groups and stuff and like talking to the community about what, not necessarily what they want to be better for the library, but what they want in the community. You know, what, what do you think, what do you value in the community? What concerns do you have? What differences would you like to see happen? And then we can look at it and say, can the library help in this? Can the library not help in this? Can the library find two different people who need to talk to each other and put them together? 
that kind of thing. I know we're we're looking at getting into that, but yeah, right now it's just a matter of getting over this big hump of construction and the coronavirus and kind of taking a breath and then figuring out um, where to go. We, um, I mean, I think the track we're on is a good track. So I'm not, you know, I feel like if we kept going for a little, I don't know, that's the thing for me. We stay open to opportunity, keep doing what we're doing as well as we possibly can. Um, the one thing that's been really interesting in the time that I've been a librarian is, you know, I started out, it was still the card catalog, then everything was on microfiche, now it's online. It, it was all books when I started out, then it became books and records and audios, I mean, like tapes and then videotapes and CDs. And But, you know, it used to be you have this certain amount of money and you buy books with it. Well, now you have a very popular book and you have to buy it in book form and in CD form and in uh, large print and in e-audio book and e-book. And so your budget kind of, <laughs> you know, it's, it gets really interesting. And then you're also trying to handle all the new technologies and keep, you know, keep the computers up to date. And the, so it's it's been really interesting to watch the shift. You have to be a lot more... Um, I don't know what the word is. Just you just have to spread yourself a lot thinner, but try to still get people what they need. So right. It's so, an interesting time. I know everybody, you know, twenty years ago was saying, Well, that we have the internet, who needs libraries? And that's I thought that was really stupid at the time, but it yeah, it's become yeah. more and more obvious that uh Clearly it's it's that, a place for community and a place for mm -hmm. like you said, connecting people together and obviously it's so much more than just just books. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a silly oh. observation, too. I, there's some other... I, I I didn't tell you about our music in the stacks. The musicians come in and sit and play. Just sit and play. Um, we, did, we try to focus on a lot of humanities things. We're going to have our first art exhibit when we reopen. And we have an art committee, and they're going to be the first show. There's um, six of them. And so they're going to put up the first show, which will give us a chance to um, get all the kinks out of the process. And then probably about every six months, we'll um, have a new artist exhibit. So. Oh, that's nice. And actually, yeah. I've played at a, a library event before myself. Yes, um, you did. And it took me forever to get you a thank you note, didn't it? Oh, I'm yes, sorry. That was nice. No, that was great. <laughs> um, no, that was... That was Thank a lot you of for fun. Doing that. Uh, yeah, and I'd love to. I thought I was. Uh, I like I said, I got the two-year-old daughter, so I've been learning a lot of kids' songs. And I thought, how uh -huh. fun would it be to come in and do a Brian sings a uh, Raffi or something? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> You'll have to get I'm in gonna... touch with me uh, to set something like that up. That'd be so much yeah, fun. Yeah, we will do that. That'd be great. Well, I, I think I have just a couple more questions. I think one, okay. one, one we like to do is we like to ask people what their favorite musician is, which maybe you want to give that, but I think in this case it might be appropriate to ask who's your favorite author. Yeah, I was going to say maybe who's your favorite author, and then if you could give us like a, a list of recommended books, that would be amazing. Well, um, my old, like the list that I've read a thousand times I read Rebecca in high school and I watched the movie regularly and I love Pillars of the Earth, which is Ken Follett um, and it's historical fiction and it's really, really good. 
Um, it's always hard. There's so many. I mean, the most recent, oh, Becoming, Michelle Obama's book was, I listened to it, right? So she read it, and that was amazing. Educated was amazing. Um, and then, you know, I really like my favorite, when it, when it comes down to what's my favorite reading experience, we go down to Mexico a lot, and the the feel in Mexico is you finally get to relax and everything moves really slowly. And then you pick up a John Grisham book and it moves really fast and it feels like this perfect balance. It's like, you know, you're, there's no brain stuff going on. You're just, you know, <laughs> so I, um, yeah, that's, that's the stuff I like. Oh, that's awesome. And as far as music, I just have been listening to Hamilton constantly, the soundtrack since it came out. So. Very good. <laughs> And then um, maybe you could just mention maybe some of your favorite things about living in the Lewis-Clark Valley. You know how the hills, sometimes they're straight up and down and sometimes they lie down. Sometimes they're straight up and down and sometimes they're green and sometimes they're pink. And sometimes they're brown. I love that. And I love Swallow's Nest. And I love the people. I love Swallow's Nest. I love the people that come in the library and they're just kind and appreciative. people that come in the library and they're just kind and appreciative and good people. Um, I guess I like I love cities because of the energy and I guess stuff. I, like, I also I love like cities because of the energy. I think and if stuff, I lived in a city all the time, like, it would exhaust me. I like I being think able if to I go lived out in a city all the time, it would exhaust um, me. I like being able to go out and just um, be in a quiet neighborhood and and just be in a quiet. I don't know. It's just a nice pace of life, and it's good people. And I don't know. It's just a nice pace. I of love life the river. It's good I people. Hope it, and, Stays the river the way the it river. is. I hope it, but that's being political, which I shouldn't be doing. Sorry, but that's being political, which I shouldn't be doing. Sorry. Are you a lifelong resident of the valley? Yeah, so and uh, cool. Pomeroy. Yeah, okay. yeah, and I always, I, yeah, I always so intended close. to go yeah, be a city always, person. I, I at some point, I hope I will still live in a city for a couple years. At some point, I hope I will still live in. You know, I don't probably for a couple years. It's like I'm going to probably leave my house here and try to just find some way. I'm going to probably leave my house here and try to just find some way to go do something but um yeah it's um group in Palmer I thought I'd go elsewhere got the job at LC and it's just been a really good experience I love living here so at one point my husband and I were looking at maybe leaving and and then we sat down and said why (laughs) you know so yeah yeah well, thank you so much for talking to us, and and uh, I really did learn quite a bit about our library today. Yeah, I and did I am for sure gonna jump in on some of those events that you mentioned. That's it's Good. so awesome to have uh, a place like that for the community, and then people like you who who are willing to do so much that you do to keep it running. That's it's awesome. Oh, well, I just feel so blessed that we've got the. Well, and I should tell you, your your brother-in-law's on the board, right? Yeah, Bryce. I've never known any library director who had one great board after another. I've, they've just been wonderful and supportive, and I've just it's just never been a problem, um, you know. And to to have that and and the community support, it's been it's really a it's a it's a huge gift. Cool. Well, thank you so much. And thank uh, you. Yeah, we'll be in touch about uh, coming in and doing some kids' songs or something, or, or regular yeah, songs be, too on a regular yeah. musician's day. Well, that'd be really fun. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show.
subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already, and thanks for listening. Thank you.